every opportunity that you have. What an honor it's been for us to be with you. If this verse, uh, for those of you who were last night, rings a bell, it's for good reason because this is where we left off last night in our, in our study. And we're going to pick up tonight pretty much where we left off in Galatians 5, verse 25. If, you, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. All this week we've been talking about a walk. And I've said it more than once. That the Christian life is not something we do, but it's somebody we are. And a walk depicts a manner of life and a way of life. I believe that for us, that the Christian life should be something that we pick up and we do every day. And it's what we go to sleep with. And it's what we live with. It's what we breathe. Somebody said something about... Uh, one member of our congregation said, if you took the word church out of his vocabulary, he might not be able to carry on a conversation with you. That is not altogether bad. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think it's a good thing. For we need to live and we need to walk and walk in the spirit of God. Romans 8 and 6 tells us that we have a conflict in our life. We've been talking somewhat about that conflict all week, and we've been talking about uh, learning to grow, as, was, as Brother Sean prayed in his prayer, that we need to be growing. Not only do we need to be growing, but we're commanded to grow. And if we're not growing, we're dying. And that's just the truth of the matter. But we're commanded to grow. In growing, we learn to overcome temptation. In growing, we learn, as we talked about last night, how to clean up our life. But our life is not simply consisted of cleaning out our closets and making sure that there's no skeletons in our closet. We need to put something back in our life. And that's what this lesson is about this evening. It's about the positive side. I believe it to be positive because this is what Paul states. He states a conflict in our life. The conflict that you and I face in our life is one of carnality versus spirituality. We're walking one of two roads. The song said, if we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. We're walking. We're living a certain way. And we're pleasing God if we live and be spiritually minded, life and peace, that is pleasing to God, but not only is it pleasing to God, but it offers us life and peace. On the other hand, to be carnally minded, according to Paul in Romans 8 verse 6, is death. So the conflict is stated more specifically in Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17. Here the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Galatia, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So our conflict is this, is we want to be good. We want to please God. We want to walk with the Lord in the light of his word. But we have this struggle all, all the time in 
know anybody that doesn't have the struggle. And the struggle is one of carnality. It's one of the flesh screaming for satisfaction. Flesh is cries to have the itch scratched. The more we scratch the itch, the more the itch grows. The more the itch grows, the more inflamed it becomes. The more inflamed it becomes, the more out of control it becomes. The more we feed the flesh, the more we walk after the flesh, the more the flesh controls us. That's the conflict. And that's what Paul is saying. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. So if you and I walk after the flesh, then according to the scripture, it's death. But if we walk after the spirit, it's life and peace. The spirit and flesh are contrary one to the other, according to verse 17. They're constantly in battle. This temporal life that you and I have, and this body that we live in, it can never be satisfied. Though we may try, and many men live their entire life, and women and young people are trying to satisfy their lives. And the things that are uh, calling to them, and the things that are leading them, they listen. And they follow after the flesh. And it leads them one down one road to another road to another road to another road, but all those roads lead to death, according to Paul. According to verse 18, with Paul explaining this conflict, if you're led by the spirits, you're not under the law. The law. The law of sin and death. The law of sin and death, according to the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, states that if we commit sin, the wages of sin is death. That's the law of sin and death. You and I know, uh, hopefully, that Christ died because of the law of sin and death. He satisfied the law of sin and death. He was the only one that could. Death had to happen. Death happened because of sin. Our sin. But Paul says that if we're led by the Spirit, we're not under the law. But if we fulfill the lust of the flesh, according to verses 19 through 21, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now why would I talk about such a thing today? Why would I bring forth to you this antiquated philosophy that Paul is putting forth that says you have two roads to walk. One toward the flesh and one toward the Spirit of God. We live in a time today, and I don't think I have to go into great detail with this, and I'm not going to. I think we all fully understand it, those of us in this assembly today. But we live in a time where the flesh leads people. And the choices that are made by many of people in this world, it is simply the choice of the moment. What will satisfy me for the moment? And the more they try to be satisfied in the moment, the more the future disappears for them. And their life becomes so entangled, and their life becomes such a mess that they can never untangle the web that they weave. Because sin has that effect of death. 
of the dependent of slavery. I don't believe that we have ever lived in a time where the flesh cried as loudly as it does today. I think we're affected by it. Those of us who would call ourselves spiritually minded. I think we listen to our body. I think we listen to our carnal desires. I think we listen to our body and our carnal desires so much sometimes that it hinders our work and it hinders our evangelism. It hinders our churches. It hinders our homes. It hinders our marriages. It hinders all of our relationships. Because we're listening. We're listening to the flesh and to the satisfaction of the flesh. According to Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, if you fulfill the lust of the flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a difficult thing for us. I wish I could say this was strictly for somebody under the age of 20, but it's not. It's for all of us. The flesh still screams even though you're. 56. The flesh will scream when you're 85. How old it is. Doesn't matter. That's the nature of living in a fallen world in a fleshly body where we cannot see very far ahead. But according to verse 24, this conflict explained by the Apostle Paul, those who have crucified the flesh belong to Christ. Now, this crucifixion of the flesh, of course, is not literal. And I believe that it is an ongoing process in our life of spiritual growth. I believe the first step that you take in crucifixion of the flesh is to say no to the flesh and say yes to God. To be able to repent of your sins, obey Christ in the watery grave of baptism, this wonderful experience of dying to the flesh. And being raised to walk in newness of life. I said last night that simply to die is not enough. Death has never cured a disease. It gets rid of it, but it doesn't cure it. So when we die, we're not left in the grave. We're raised to walk a new life. And I have a new, new uh, outlook of life and a new path to follow, a new path to walk. So when we obey that form of doctrine of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we are freed from the law of sin and death because we're under the blood of Christ and our <coughs> sins have been remitted. But our process, the Apostle Paul says, he said, I die daily. Now we know that it's not a literal dying that the Apostle Paul experienced. But it was one of crucifixion of the flesh daily. And being made alive to God through His Spirit. You and I need to be aware of this conflict because this conflict is as real today and perhaps more real than it's ever been. We need to be aware to the point that we can count the cost. Luke 14 verse 31 says, Or what king going to make war against another king setteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Now, the reason I put that passage up there is to tell you that you and I are in a war. And it's a war of carnality against the Spirit. You need to count the cost. Who wouldn't think about counting the cost of everything that you do in this life? 
Why a wise person counts the cost, they count the cost of their decisions. They count the cost of all of their choices in life if they are intelligent and wise. You need to count the cost of living after the carnal or after the flight or after the spirit. So you and I learn, and by being aware of this conflict, that a constant conflict takes place within every person. One of the two struggling will be in control. I decided a long time ago that there's no such thing as a truce. Not in this conflict. You can't wave the white flag and say, I've had enough. You can't wave the white flag against carnality and say, let's just stop fighting for a moment. You're fighting it every day of your life. So when the Apostle Paul gives his recipe, if you will, or his formula for overcoming temptation and growing to the, to the young evangelist Timothy, when he said, flee youthful lust, follow after righteousness, and fight the good fight of faith. He's telling us that this fight will continue. I've met uh, some people that think that they can just bow out of this battle. No longer in battle with it. I'm not a Christian, so I, I don't have to come. I give it in. I'll tell you, you're still fighting. You're still fighting. The, the fact of the matter is, is the flesh will take over and win at that point, and you're under control of it. That's the reason why, even though a person may think that they have bowed out of the spiritual battle, and if they get addicted to drugs or alcohol or things of that nature, then they spend the rest of their life trying to fight out of it and trying to get away from it. They can't quit the fight. And the things that sin and carnality lead them to, they would fight their way out of it if they could. And they continue to fight. I'll tell you, brothers, you cannot call a truce. We need to be aware, as the Apostle Paul states in verse 17, that these are contrary one to the other. So Galatians 5 teaches us this, that we're in a conflict, the conflict exists, the conflict is ongoing, it will continue till we die, but I want you to get this, the consequences of defeat. We count the cost. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, barriers, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Plus, says I'm not guilty of those things. This is not a comprehensive list of the sins because he puts in this passage and he states and such like. You see, brethren, we can be respectable people and be following carnality. 
we can be considered respectful in all of the in all of the community and in, and and everything that we do and be following after carnality. And the consequences of not walking in the Spirit are this, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We need to question ourselves, and I'm talking to respectful people, and I'm talking to church people. We need to question ourselves, what are we sowing to? What are we planting in our lives? And what kind of harvest do we expect to receive? We need to be overcomers. And I want to tell you tonight that I don't believe any battle is ever won with a defeatist attitude. I said earlier this week, and I'll say it again, I'm a pessimist when it comes to this world and to this kingdoms of the world, but I'm an optimist when it comes to the kingdom of God. And you and I can approach this battle, as grim as it may sound, with optimism. Because Paul said in Galatians 5 verse 24, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust." I want you to notice this passage about overcoming. And overcoming the desires of carnality and, des and the walk of carnality in your life. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Now for a long time we've read that and we forget that he says mortal bodies. I believe that there's victory to be had right now by walking in the Spirit. I believe that this quickening or making alive our mortal bodies can be had by walking in the Spirit and that you and I can be alive unto God now. And we can have a taste of eternal life now. If we can be dead now, as Paul said in Romans 6. But you were dead in trespasses and sins. Surely I can be made alive now. And this death and this life consists of our fellowship with God and with Christ and with His Holy Spirit. Therefore, brethren, he says, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. If I'm alive and I'm in union with Christ and I'm in fellowship with Him, then I am a better to live after him and walk after him. So Galatians 5 verse 25 says that if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? <coughs> Titus 3 verses 5 and 6 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This walk suggests a conduct. If we walk in the Spirit, what is our conduct? It also suggests a guidance. Who is our guide in this walk? In this way of life? Who is our guide and what is our conduct in this life? 
Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, or the conduct of the flesh, but after the Spirit. You and I don't have to walk around in condemnation. We don't have to walk uh, with a defeatist attitude because we have because we live in a carnal world. What are we living at? But after the Spirit, he says in Romans 8, 1. So we need guidance. And if we have guidance, then we can direct our walk, and our walk can be pleasing to Him. All of us need guidance according to Jeremiah that it's not within a man to direct his own steps. You and I can't do it. I need to be told how to live and how to walk. David said in Psalm 23 that he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I need to be led. I need to be able to manifest God in my life. The psalmist David said, The Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. You ever thought about that? Ain't one candle here, it's a candle that gives light. Doesn't it? I'm going to tell you something, candles never give light. You say you're crazy. A candle has never given light. What it does, it gives place to a light. And the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. A candle by itself cannot give light, but when you put fire on the candle, then the light radiates throughout the room. You and I need the guidance, and we need the light of God in our life, and we need to be walking after this guidance. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. Now what's your conduct? You want to know how you can, whether or not you're saved? I think he tells us. What, are, what fruit are you producing in your life? What's your con conduct? And what's your guidance? Who are you listening to? Now, you may think that I oversimplify things, and perhaps I do sometimes, and I realize how deep the Bible is and, and the depth and the riches of God's grace. I understand that it's very deep and we, you and I can never cease to quit growing and to quit learning. However, some things God intends for us to understand. And so we can evaluate our life, and His Spirit bears witness with our spirit by saying, what did the Spirit tell me in His Word? What does it tell me? And then my spirit can bear witness with His Spirit by saying, I did that. So if I look at Romans 8 and 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. I can evaluate my life by saying, how am I living? What is my lifestyle? Now we named off several works of the flesh that are listed in Galatians 5. Fornication, adultery, lasciviousness, witchcraft, emulations, strife, seditions, heresies, and so on and so forth. And the such like. And he says, those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Watch your lifestyle. Now the world doesn't want to hear this, but we have to hear it. And we have to teach it. 
I'm expecting tonight not to teach you anything new. Boy, I sure hope not. Because if it's new, it's probably wrong. But what I am expecting tonight is for you to understand and to think about some things. And when you talk to your family or you, you talk to your neighbor, some of these things of walking in the Spirit and walking after carnality, you can retreat. And you can teach. And we can apply it to our own life. Surely there's no one here who is walking after the flesh. I hope not. I hope and pray there's not a soul here that's walking after the flesh. <coughs> and how can you know if you're walking after the flesh? <coughs> What's your lifestyle? What do you do? What do you think about? It? Romans 8 verses 13 and 14 says, For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We need guidance. <coughs> to guide your life. There's a lot of false teaching that abound about guiding your life. I'll tell you what I heard one time. I heard about this old boy that said he had a religious experience. And this is how he described his religious experience. He said, I was frying egg. And he said, I got real crispy frying this egg. And he said, I thought I could see it all the time on the picnic. So he said, I tossed the egg in the air and going to flip it. <coughs> and he said, it came down on top of my head. But I didn't know it was on top of my head because I thought I had a religious experience. Something warm fell all over my head. And it went down all in my back. Now that sounds pretty silly to us that anybody could ever suppose such a thing. But you get out and you talk to people. A lot of people, that's their religious experience. It's what they feel at the moment. Hey, you know that's carnality. <laughs> that's what that is. That's living after the place. If you operate strictly by what you feel, I imagine most of you would have been here this evening. Because you're tired. You've had a hard week. I know that. I know that. But you see, that is something other than just rest for the body. You need food for the soul. You need to be able to come and to sing and to worship and to praise God. That's why you came. But if I listen to some small voice, And I'm asking God, God, lead me, and I'm waiting for some small voice. I'll tell you, I've never heard God speak to me. Not with a small voice. <coughs> you have. He's not speaking to us that way. Now, a woman has great intuition. I think my wife has some of the best intuition that uh, exists among women. After all, she's married to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But you know, you can't listen to intuition. And you better not listen to intuition because you can't guide yourself. And you don't know. When David said, He leadeth me beside the still waters, 
that He leads me in the paths of righteousness, David is saying, I can't see very far ahead. I'm a nearsighted individual. And you are too. And you and I cannot listen simply to our intuition sometimes uh, by coincidence, which is two things happening at once. The intuition works for us. But that's not how God leads us. You can't follow some overwhelming compulsion. <clears throat> Many people want to follow their compulsion in life. Well, I'm going to tell you, you can have wrong convulsions and wrong intuitions. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We can think we're on the right road. We can think that our intuition is leading us. We can think and be uh, totally convicted of the truth of the matter. If I could ask for a raise of hands tonight, I won't, and, and don't, don't think I'm going to, I'm not. But if I could, I'll bet you that the hands would pop up all over the auditorium if I asked you that was there ever a time in your life that you thought you were right, that you were wrong? Boy, it's happened to me. It's happened to me more than once, and it's happened to people like the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul said that he persecuted the church in all good conscience. Psalms 119, verse 30, 133 says, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. You and I need guidance, and the only reliable guidance, the only reliable guidance to this walk is the word of the Holy Spirit of God that we find in his word. David understood that. David understood that the word was his guide. James 1 and 15 says that a man... Is, uh, is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. If you are following after your desires, you're probably going to fall into the trap of lust, sin, and death. Romans 8, verses 4 and 5 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So I ask you tonight, you want to know whether or not you're walking in the Spirit or walking after the flesh? What do you mind? It's that simple. It's that simple. What are you taking care of? What are you seeing to? If you think about instruction to your grandchildren, are you more interested in their success in secular school or God's holy word? Are you more interested in their success in business or going to heaven? What are you minding? What are you taking care of? If it comes to a dollar of the church, what are you minding? What are you taking care of? Well, I didn't know he was going to get that part of I thought I thought we were talking about works of the flesh. We all are. We all are. 
And we're talking about carnality versus walking after the Spirit. What do you mind? Which comes first in your life? The kingdom of God and His righteousness for the things of the world. When it comes time to compromise in your life, where are you going to compromise? You ever heard the old boy that said that he couldn't make a good contribution on Sunday morning because his cable wheel went up? Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? You're going to compromise. Where will you compromise? What do you mind? I heard an illustration, and you probably have too. This is not new for you, I'm sure. The illustration of a man who had two dogs. And they fought each other. These two dogs were equally strong, and they fought each other all the time. <coughs> one day one would win, another day another one would win. So I'll ask him one time, said, why does one dog win one day and one dog win the other day? He said, it depends on which dog I feed. The one I feed will win. What do you mind doing in your life? What are you taking care of? Really? You're taking care of your soul. You're walking after the spirit, you're walking after the flesh. Those minding the things of the spirit, let me touch on this for a moment with us. What are the things of the spirit? John 14, verses 25 and 26 says, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I said unto you. The things of the Spirit are the words of the Spirit. Are you minding the things of the Spirit? The things of the Spirit are the teachings of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't believe for a moment that the Holy Bible is the Holy Spirit. If it were, anyone could go out and buy the Holy Spirit. But certainly, the words of the Bible are the things of the Spirit. Now, if we're being led by the Spirit, then we're being led by the things of the Spirit. Matthew 28, verse 20, everyone knows this passage, teaching them to observe all things. What things? The things of the Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So I ask you again tonight, and it's up to you to evaluate. I certainly can't evaluate your life. Wouldn't even begin to try. What do you mind? What are you taking care of? The things of the Spirit or the things of the flesh? Finally, <coughs> walking in the Spirit's observations that we want to make. I'll leave this with you. Whenever one is sitting their mind on the Word of God, the things of the Spirit, and seeking to walk thereby, they are walking in the Spirit. Because they are being led by the Spirit. You see, I don't have to wait for some intuition. I don't want. I don't have to wait for some warm, fuzzy feeling to fall over my head and go down my back. I don't have to wait for that. 
I can operate according to the Word of God and I'll be walking in the words of the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit of God. It is simply impossible to walk in the Spirit and to ignore the Word of God. One of both, the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life is for a preacher to get up and say that he doesn't eat the Bible. I've heard of that. I've heard a man who called himself a preacher get up and say, take his Bible, and he threw it down on the table. He said, I'm not going to need that tonight. The Lord's going to tell me what to say. That is ludicrous. If we are being led by the Spirit of God, it is simply impossible to ignore the Word of God in our lives. Ephesians 3.16 says that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. The strength of the Holy Spirit comes to us today through His Word. His words become fodder for our souls. His words become the bread of life. His words become the path and direct the path that you and I can walk on. His word becomes a lamp unto our feet. His word becomes a strength in our soul and in our mind and in our body. Because His word will dictate to us and we can say no to the flesh. And it's only through His word and the strength that we find in His word that we can overcome the flesh. His Word makes declaration to us of how to come to Christ. The writer says in the book of Hebrews, He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Would you come to Him tonight if you're away from Him? You must believe that He is. Jesus said, I tell you, David, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. God demands repentance in our life. This repentance means stopping this way of life that is following after the flesh and then change our mind and walk toward the words of the Spirit and allow Him to lead and direct our steps. Galatians 3 tells us that as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Romans 6 tells us that once we accomplish this form of doctrine of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that you and I are raised to walk in a new life. Acts 2 verse 38 tells us that we are indwelt by His Holy Spirit. And we will be led by the Holy Spirit when we listen to His Word. You're, you're, you're subject to the gospel. We beg you to come. If you're here and... You desire the prayers of the church. Perhaps your life has been one that has been dictated by carnality. It's time to say no to it. It's time to start listening to God's Word and start living and following what He tells us and how to live in the manner that He dictates. His will for us is good. There's not a father or a mother here that desires uh, bad things for their children. Not one. God also desires good things for His children. But we have to say yes to him. Would you come as we got this day?